You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And good morning. My name is Nick Bedelsky. I am the Listener Relationship Coordinator for Real Presence Radio here in the Rochester, Minnesota area. And I am broadcasting live along with Father Jason Kern, the Director of Vocations for the Diocese of Winona-Rochester. And uh, we are broadcasting live from St. James Coffee, I think I mentioned, here in lovely Rochester, Minnesota. Yes, Med City, right? Absolutely. And we just had a wonderful conversation with Bishop David Kagan of the Diocese of Bismarck and just talked uh, a lot about the Eucharist. Yeah, I was, I was impressed with his reverence and love and, and, you know, willingness to teach the true teachings of the church on the fact that we have to be, you know, the bishops, this buzzword of Eucharistic coherence has been bantered around since the bishops' meetings in June and talking about, you know, how, you know, should the political nature of this, should politicians be able to receive communion, all these things. And the truth is, is uh, our own uh, auxiliary bishop in St. Paul talked about the fact that we need a revival around devotion and love for the Eucharist more than anything. That's the, the key. And I think Bishop Kagan was really getting at that as well. They're really talking about our need to have reverence and love for the real presence of Jesus in Holy Communion and then to live that out, right? That it's not just something I do on Sundays. It's not just something I do by faith, but that it transforms me to live according uh, to the way that Jesus is calling me to live in the world. And so it's, it's, it's a blessing to be able to have him kind of share with us the beautiful teachings that he, that he uh, gave to us about the Eucharist and that the church holds so dearly in her liturgy and worship. And actually, one of the great things about St. James Coffee, ordinarily the, uh, the chapel is under renovation at the moment, uh, but otherwise, uh, those people who haven't been here, uh, there is a chapel in the back with the Holy Eucharist uh, reserved there. Uh, so you do have time for um, a cup of coffee and some adoration, uh, spend some time with our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. So just thought I'd get that little mention in there for St. James since we just talked about the Eucharist. And uh, again, adoration is a, is a wonderful way um, to grow in devotion towards and love of our Lord uh, in the Blessed Sacrament. So uh, joining us, as we said before the break, is uh, Nathaniel Benversi who is the content director for Exodus 90. You've probably heard of Exodus 90. It's gotten a lot of buzz in the past few years. And Nathaniel is also somewhat of a local. Uh, He graduated from the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. That one always confuses me. I would think it would be the University of St. Paul in St. Paul, but I'm sure they (laughs) have to pass around the saints there a little bit. And then he spent two years in formation at St. John Vianney Seminary, which is also uh, up there in the cities. Um... A lot more information about Nathaniel. Uh, worked with Focus uh, for a bit. Uh, also, as we said, uh, the Augustine Institute, his master's degree in theology from the Augustine Institute. He currently lives in Fort Wayne, Indiana, with his wife Sherry and their daughter uh, Lucia. So, uh, Nathaniel, rather than reading off uh, your entire biography here, uh, how about you? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, I love working for Exodus. I love doing ministry. I'm especially passionate about men's ministry. I love being married and uh, having a family. So just serving the Lord has been a real gift. Uh, being in the seminary, I certainly owe a huge debt of gratitude to the church for the formation that it gave to me and am inspired to continue to give that formation to other men, especially laymen who don't usually have that access to the formation that myself and my brothers, especially the priests, were able to receive in seminary. So yeah, it's a little bit about me and uh, 
Oh, yeah, the important things. Like, I love big mountain skiing. So if anybody wants to go out west, you know, just let me know. Hit some powder days and have some fun with that, too. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Nathaniel, you know, Exodus 90 is a, a powerful program, and it, it can be life-changing for people. Uh, it is life-changing for people. In fact, I myself, have, my life was touched by it. I was blessed to do it um, with some brothers and some fellow priests. Uh, maybe three years ago now, we did it for the first time. And, you know, it, it, it's intense, and, and people are intimidated when they first look at the list of the things that, that are asked of them, whether it's to abstain from alcohol or sweets, um, you know, no, no eating between meals, cold showers, right? That's sometimes the hardest one for some people, video games, all these things that you're giving up. But what, what's, the, what's the emphasis really about? What's it trying to help men to gain freedom from or freedom for uh, in, in the regards to their own relationship with Christ? How do you see Exodus 90 and can you describe it for us a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So certainly a lot of us as men, we don't even know the things that we're attached to or have bondage to. Like sometimes like, yeah, okay, Maybe we struggle with chastity or we struggle with drinking or something. Then those things are, are obvious to us. But even more so, we have things underneath that we don't even know that we're attached to. And so Exodus 90 is this great time of purification that really opens our eyes to see slowly, like, wow, I didn't know I struggled with this. Or I didn't know I was attached to that. It was preventing me from being the husband that I really want to be or preventing me from being the father that I really know that I need to be for my children. So Exodus gives us, you know, that opportunity uh, to expose ourselves there to those realities and then actively work to change them uh, because we're disposing ourselves to God's grace. Yes, it is a difficult time, but the time where it's actually so difficult that we realize we can't do it and thus we have to surrender and, and receive God's grace in that moment which prepares us to receive His grace in all the other difficult moments of our life as well. That's awesome. Nathaniel, could you give us a little bit of your own testimony of how you, and maybe through Exodus or otherwise, and how these disciplines have allowed you to gain freedom to live as the husband you and father that you desire to be, also the man of Christ, brother to others. Um, what's it been like in your own journey? Uh, how'd you get involved in Exodus 90? What, how's it had an impact on your faith in your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember when I was a focused missionary in my first year as a missionary and my friend called me up and she wanted some inspiration from me of how I was praying for and fasting for the, the students I worked with. And so she asked me that, like, how are, how are you doing this? And I thought to myself, uh, I'm not. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call you out. Because she thought I was, you know, I was inspired by, like, I'm a missionary, shouldn't I be doing this? Shouldn't I know these things? And sure, I was doing a holy hour every day. But I was doing that for me, and I wasn't doing that for anybody else. And maybe I prayed for the students that I worked for at that time, but it was only like a, yeah, God bless all of these students, you know, and that's about it, right? And I certainly wasn't participating in penance or asceticism, these acts of self-denial, uh, or fasting in any way for these students or for myself, because that's not comfortable, and I really liked my comfortable life. Why would I even think about it? So Exodus really helped to not just know that I needed to do these things, because she exposed me to that, and so did my own teaching in the church that I needed to do that. But what Exodus did was gave me a method to actually practice it enough where it started to become habit, which is why it's 90 days long to start, and why we have three years worth of exercises in day 91 after Exodus 90 to continue that formation. 
So yeah. for me, like that, that was the beginning of Exodus 90, and I remember in my very first Exodus 90, uh, going through it, realizing, wow, I really want alcohol right now. And I was a guy who was, was serving undergraduate students, so I barely ever drank alcohol. I was on a missionary budget, so I didn't want to waste any money on alcohol. So I never drank, and yet while I was doing this, I felt like, wow, I really want alcohol. It had nothing to do with alcohol. I never have had a problem with alcohol. It had absolute to do with wanting control. I didn't have control to choose whether or not I had alcohol that day. I gave that control up to God, and I was frustrated. And so I realized, man, my problem, my attachment, is with controlling my life and not giving it up to God. There's a little testimony of, of some things that I learned and then yeah. had to work through with our Beautiful. Lord afterwards. I love that, and it's 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 so clear. And you said this earlier, but you, you articulated it there through your experience. That it's when we give something up, it's when we start making these sacrifices that we realize how much we can be attached to worldly things and to our desires, to our our passions. And, and Exodus ninety gives us the, the ability not only to kind of become aware of that, but then to start to gain the freedom that we desire. Uh, one of the missionaries that I worked with, uh, focus missionaries that I worked with, was Mike Mortensen from the Diocese of Bismarck. He was down in Mankato at Minnesota State University. Yeah. And, uh, and and he would help guys to kind of gain this freedom by taking on Exodus 90, doing it with them. And, and I always found it so fruitful because, yeah, you ended up fasting for each other. You held each other accountable. Guys were just being honest about their struggles, maybe for the first time in their lives, that they're like, hey, you know what, I am really struggling with chastity. I am really uh, unable to get free from kind of my dependence on alcohol or, you know, my attachments to comforts and to sports and to all these things that I've gotten so used to kind of identifying myself with. And there's this newfound freedom that starts to set in. And, and, and it's powerful to watch that happen. So what are the key principles or the virtues of Exodus 90? What is it that it teaches and kind of tries to get guys um, to really gain insight around, not only around their struggles, but around what is the, how is the Lord working in their life? Yeah, the three primary pillars of, of Exodus 90 are prayer, aestheticism, and return. So prayer is obvious to us, and we have a daily set of disciplines for men to go through in the, the life of their prayer, as well as the daily reading of Scripture and a reflection, which is super huge, because that reflection is like our spiritual director for these 90 days, keeping us away from the, the pitfall of pride or the pitfall of despair. So it really helps us stay on track. Uh, and then there's asceticism, which to define that is, is acts of self-denial, right? And so there's a list of disciplines that you take up for all of the 90 days, which includes some of the things that you mentioned, cold showers, no alcohol, no watching television or televised sports, no internet except for for work or like paying the bills or something like that. Uh, yeah, a, a long list of things like that that really help us to detach from this world but purify us in this time where there's so many that we can't turn from one thing, let's say eating and turn to Netflix to, you know, kind of compensate. No, we can't do either of those things in terms of overeating or whatnot. Uh, so... Uh, they really help us to stay, to stay focused and to rely on God. And as mentioned earlier, they also help us realize that there is too much here. I can't do this myself, which is good, because we're not a slave before the Lord who has to prove himself to God. We're a son. He needs to learn to rely on his Father who's right there, ready to give everything to his son. And then the last aspect is fraternity, and this aspect is just as important as any of the other aspects. Uh, because we need to learn that we're made in God's image and likeness, which means we're made for unity, just like the Trinity is unity. And when we're not living it, 
man, do we allow ourselves to fall into pits for sure or be isolated and divided and away from the church. So living fraternity, you meet with five to seven guys that you find on your own in your local parish, in your school, in your workplace, wherever, and you meet with them every single week. One guy you check in with every single night, and he checks in with you. That's your anchor uh, brother there. So these are the three things that we, that we leverage. But the things, uh, these three things are just aspects of the Christian faith. So it doesn't matter if you're doing Exodus 90 or not. You could say, well, I can't do Exodus 90 because I can't find a fraternity. Well, I'm sorry. The reality is you're a Christian, and if you want to be a Christian, you need all three of these things. We see them in the Old Testament, we hear about them in the New Testament, and God thought they were so important, he sent his Son incarnate to model them all for us. Come on, guys. (laughs) So, yeah, they're all here, uh, and they all help us to live that full Christian life uh, so that we can dispose ourselves to God's grace. We're talking with Nathaniel Benversi, who serves as the Director of Content for Exodus 90 on Real Presence Live this morning. We're blessed to have him join us. You can hear his passion and devotion uh, for continuing to grow uh, as a Christian disciple, a man after the heart of Jesus. So often, as Catholics, we just get into the routine of attending Mass, kind of going through the rituals. Nathaniel's articulating that we have to live this out, and we have to make sacrifices for our Lord, that just as a married couple has to sacrifice for one another, for their children, so too do we have to sacrifice in faith and offer our lives to the living God. And Nathaniel is doing a beautiful job of articulating that. You know, I think one of the things we run into at times in the church, there's this sort of rejection uh, in our current modern understanding of Catholicism where we want this comfort Christianity where we don't really want to have to fast. We don't really want to have to get into the rigidity. We'll call it that kind of this quote, rigidity, right? And what is that? Why, why is it that people look at that with such negativity? We kind of want to overvalue the good of the body and kind of celebration of life life and all these things, what are we afraid of, right? I think sometimes we're afraid to, to really offer uh, what is a sacrificial love for God. And, and fasting is one of those ways that we do that, and also accountability and fraternity, that we have to open our hearts before others in order to live authentically. Nathaniel, what's it been like as you kind of see guys, you know, go through that conversion towards, you know, making the sacrifice, offering a fast or offering a sacrifice of, of prayer and, and of devotion? also of being accountable to one another, spending time being honest about their own struggles with brothers. How have you seen that transform guys' lives? What's that been like as, as it's lived out uh, in your experience? Yeah, it's truly a gift to watch it happen. Men who have done Exodus and then to talk to me and tell me how, what kind of life they were living and what kind of life they are now living. Since it's like, wow, I, I used to go home and I thought I was at home and then I realized through Exodus, no, I'm, I still am on my phone. I'm still at work, even though I'm at home. I'm not actually present to my children like I thought I was, or I was missing opportunities with my wife in terms of our intimacy and relationship outside of the bedroom, like actually being intimate with her in conversation and, and present to her. So to hear them uh, disclose these things to me and then talk about Christ in such a different way of like, yeah, I mean, I knew they are Father and the Hail Mary, but... I didn't know Jesus Christ, really. And with Exodus 90, you know, making a discipline of having to do a holy hour every day with a minimum of at least 20 minutes, if you can't do a full holy hour on a given day, of just silence. Not a rosary, not reading scripture, just silence, which is so awkward to start. But <laughs> men learn, you know. They learn how to actually dialogue with their Lord and have a relationship with Him and receive His love for them through that time. So that, like, just listen to them uh, about these things is just, is just so beautiful and such a testament to what happens 
when we just live the Christian life, when we just dispose ourselves to God's grace, it's not, Exodus 90 is nothing new. It just helps us live what we always should have lived. And right. God shows up right there and, and delivers to us. Yeah, and that way it programmatizes an opportunity for guys to open themselves up to grace and, and really open their hearts to a relationship with God and with other p- real people, not just social media, not their phone or the internet. Uh, you know, one of the, the real struggles for men, especially younger men in our generation, is, is the scourge of pornography, right? It, it, it's really taken captive where guys are addicted to it. They're struggling where they're kind of escaping into it. Exodus 90, one of its main goals is to help men gain freedom around chastity. And th- that's a powerful reality that we're seeing happen through this program. What do you think it is that, that that you know guys discover this freedom for the first time sometimes in their lives and are so drawn to it so want more to discover how they can live this out the rest of their lives what do you think it is about the program that enables that uh, op- openness to gain freedom from addiction and from the struggles of unchastity early on I think I would have answered that by saying well they just have more discipline in their life so they can you know have better sense of self-mastery. And I think there's some true aspects there. But what I've learned certainly over the years is this kind of uh, phrase I may have mentioned a few times already. It's a disposition to receiving the grace that God is already giving us. Mm-hmm. So God's trying to give us grace at every single moment of the day. Right now, He's giving us grace. And if we're living the Christian life, we start to open our eyes to see God's presence, to see Him giving us grace. We start to open our ears to hearing His still soft voice present to us right here, right now. And when we're so filled with noise, and when we don't actually have an ongoing relationship with Christ, how do we expect ourselves to see Him and His presence in the stillness of the day, in every moment of the day? And so men who start to learn this, who start to dispose themselves to God's grace through a life of prayer, through a life of asceticism, and through a life of fraternity, well, they start to not just encounter God's presence at 12 o'clock at night when the lights are off and the, and the doors are closed and they're on the computer and they realize, shoot, I need to get out of here right now. Now they, they, they start to realize his voice three hours before that when they yeah. need to finish their work well before midnight, you know, yep. or three hours before that when they're with their family at dinner or whatever. Like They start to realize it so much earlier that they start to avoid these interrogations of sin altogether because they're attentive to God's work throughout the day and they make better decisions earlier on. So that's what I would say. Yeah, I love that. Living the Christian life, yeah. I I had a spiritual director once that said, uh, disposition isn't everything, Jesus is everything, but disposition is almost everything. And I think that gets to what you're talking about where it's like, if we're not disposed and open to the grace of God, we'll, we'll always live out of that kind of the Holy Spirit stinging my conscience, kind of making me feel guilty for the things that I'm falling into. But if we open ourselves, if we're disposed to the movements of grace and love and mercy, well, that can radically transform our hearts towards greater interior freedom and joy. And you've beautifully articulated that. We're going to head to break here. I'll let Nick uh, lead us there. But we're going to come back and talk about what is the man's role in the church? How can we continue to uh, serve as men in the Catholic Church today? And once again, my name is Nick Medelsky. Uh, you're just listening to Father Jason Kern and Nathaniel Benversi from Exodus 90, who's been talking to us um, about Exodus 90. And uh, after the break, we'll be talking about the role of men in the Catholic Church. Uh, we're broadcasting live from St. James Coffee here in Rochester, Minnesota. We'll be right back after the break. Live, engaging, and local. 
This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And good morning once again. My name is Nick Modelski, broadcasting live from St. James Coffee in Rochester, Minnesota. I am the Listener Relationship Coordinator for Real Presence Radio here in the Rochester area. And I'm happy to be joined in person today by Father Jason Kern, the Director of Vocations uh, for the Diocese here. And we have on the phone with us Nathaniel Benversi of Exodus 90. It's been already good talking with you, Nathaniel. I love your passion for our Lord and for continuing ongoing conversion. Uh, you might hear in our background uh, some of the St. James Coffee House uh, local folks who are enjoying some coffee and some fraternity. I think I can hear a child in your background. Is that right? <laughs> oh, yes. No doubt about it. Is that your beautiful daughter or what? You know, it's not actually. I am okay. outside of a coffee shop myself. <laughs> uh, our Exodus team is, is meeting in a coffee shop today. Nice. So there's some lovely families walking around. All right. We promised to talk about the role of, of men in the church uh, coming back from break. So, you know, that's a very vague question. Obviously, people tend to think about priests who are, you know, can only, are male-only presbyterate in, in priesthood. But what is the role of, of men in the church today? Is it just to, you know, those who become priests have a role and those who don't, they don't get a role? What is it? Yeah, yeah, really good question. 
right? So we look at, at uh, as we're baptized into the priesthood of Jesus Christ, we are baptized priest, prophet, and king, man or woman. So, but men have a specific way of living out this common priesthood, this baptismal priesthood, that no nobody else can live out for them, especially if they're married with children. They're the head of the household. They have a responsibility that nobody can replace, and if they don't fulfill that role, Satan knows it. His demons know it and has a much easier time to get to the family if he is not there, avodding and shamaring the garden, right? So those words from the book of Genesis in Hebrew, avod and shamar, to guard and protect. So it's his role, his responsibility, nobody else, to guard and protect that family, to lead them spiritually, which means he's got to have his stuff together. And I say this not to by any means call anybody out, like I'm talking to myself. If I want to guard and protect my family like I'm supposed to, man, i got to have my stuff together. I've got to be at prayer every day, and when I'm not, I know it, and likely my family knows it too. Yeah, amen. And, you know, I think... There's 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 a lot of challenges that, that men face in the, in the world today and and trying to live out their faith. You know, I think particularly, you know, just one of the realities that we run into is just this idea that it's it's, you know, I I, I have to be sort of passive and, and not not kind of overly assertive. You know, we kind of see this tendency in men today to kind of take the back seat and their, their wives tend to want to take the front seat. But how do we not understand that, you know, people today are nervous about kind of, uh, you know, being against feminism or for feminism, this kind of controversy. And I think about Paul's writings, you know, that he says that the woman should be subordinate to the man. Now we know, if we know the true teachings of the church, we know that that scripture really means that they are to subordinate to one another, right? It's a mutual submission of love and service and it's not meant to just make women derogative or you know kind of um, put aside or kind of servants or something like that so how do we properly assert what is truly masculine to be the role of the husband and leader and protector of the family uh, but then at the same time also respect your wife and, and, and in fact we know that Paul says that the man must lay down his life for his bride right and well that's no simple task what does it look like for <laughs> for a man to, to sacrifice in that way? How do we understand that dynamic without kind of, um, you know, being negative towards women? All three of us are men on the radio here this morning. You know, how do we uphold the beauty of femininity but then also live authentic masculinity? I remember a conversation I had with uh, a mentor of mine when I was engaged, and I asked him this question. How do I live out or, or help my wife to understand that I am the spiritual head of the family? His number one piece of advice was this. Never say that you're the spiritual head of the family. (laughs) Excellent advice. Right, exactly. And and he went on to describe what it means to be the spiritual head of the family. And it's exactly what you were saying, right? This laying down of our lives for our family. So how do we do this in in our everyday life? It's not like somebody's coming to our door with a gun, like... At our, at our house every single day. So what does it mean to really lay down our life for our family? And we practice this. We build up this virtue, and we live it out, not just in practice, but in, in actuality, living this out by practicing things like asceticism, by taking up our cross daily the right way. So, for example, as a common priest, you know, we have our, our bread and wine, just like a, a priest might have his bread and wine, but it looks very different. So let's say a cold shower. That, that cold water knob can be your bread, The water coming down from above can be your wine, and you can make an offering right there in your shower 
that doesn't cost much less, in fact, than a hot shower and takes less time than a hot shower. Now you have more money to spend on your next family vacation and more time with your family today as well. And you've made an offering of your body for your family through that penitential sacrifice. You've laid down yourself for them. I'll lay one more example out if you don't mind. Let's say we had a really terrible day at work and we want to come home and we just want to complain and whine like we used to do to our mom when we were children. I know I certainly did that every time I had a bad day at school. Well, our wives aren't our moms. We have a choice. We can go home and complain about it or as we walk from our car to our door, we can make this prayer and say, Lord, I offer up every sacrifice, every suffering, every hardship of today for the good of my children and of my wife for their salvation, for their education, for their love of you. And when we turn that doorknob, we walk in, we see the faces of our family, and we're not going to complain, but we're going to rejoice because we just had an opportunity all day to make a sacrifice and offering for their soul. That's a huge gift. That's a huge gift, and it's a beautiful thing that we can do is to offer that sacrifice. We, you know, I've had people ask me, like, well, Father, why do we have to do penance? I don't really understand how penance works. Like, why does God want us to do these things, to make these sacrifices? And one of the real realities is I say, well, it's just like prayer, right? Why do we pray? But it's to lead us to communion with God and with others, but it's to, it's to transform our hearts, right, so that we can then receive more. Well, the same is true with penance. We sacrifice to offer on behalf of ourselves our own conversion, the conversion of others, but also to lead us to that place of abiding communion with God. And the more that we offer, the more that we give ourselves, the more that we discover that it transforms us to be something that we couldn't be otherwise. Right? Penance has this way of expediating our conversion, of transforming our heart, so that we become the living sacrifice, as you described. And that happens in the daily concrete acts that you just gave examples about. It's beautiful ways that we live this out by loving our, our wives better, by, by lo- me loving our parishioners better, right, as a priest. By doing the little things with greater love, uh, that's what sacrifice enables and gives us the freedom to instill discipline in our hearts where that becomes normalized, where that becomes a part of our life uh, to make those little sacrificial offerings. And so how do we begin, right? by beginning, (laughs) by doing some small act with intentionality. It doesn't have to be some kind of magical formula, but guys run into a lot of struggles, right? And that's what Exodus 90, as you, director of the the content for the program, that's what what you do. So how do you help men kind of face those obstacles, face the difficulties, you know, and and have that, that attitude that allows them to do this? What are your kind of thoughts and reflections around, you know, Based on what men are, are finding as the main obstacles to living out their faith today, what are the ways that you help them overcome those with this program? Yeah, I would say most men, they look at Exodus 90 or they look at a life of asceticism uh, and they're intimidated by it and they say, I'm not ready for that yet. I can't handle that yet. And I like to remind them that I've done Exodus 90 five times and I have failed Exodus 90 five times. <laughs> and by that, by that I mean, yeah, sure, I finished it every time. But did I do it perfectly? No. Because I need God's grace. And I'm a man. And I'm human. And I fail. But I'm his son and not a slave. And so I turn to him. I realize I'm going to fail, but I do the best that I can. And then I get on my knees and surrender to God every day so that he can lead me instead of me trying to bootstrap myself to heaven. That's just not how it works, right? So that's one thing, realizing that you don't need to be ready and you don't need to do it perfectly because you, you need to learn to just simply surrender to God. And so do that. And then secondly, live that life of fraternity. Get some men who can hold you accountable. Go out for a beer with some guy and say, look, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. This is what I want to do. I want to start, you know, putting my phone 
in my closet every night when I come home from work and not taking it back out till the next day. That's my little act of asceticism I want to do to be more present to my family. Can you hold me accountable for that? Just little things like that. Yep. In terms of Exodus 90 as a whole, it's a great structure to teach men this really well. But you don't have to do Exodus 90. Any listener out there is like, man, I don't want to do this. Great, you don't have to. But you do have to live a life of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity. So how are you going to do that? What regimen are you going to go by? Now the responsibility is on you to find one. If you can't find one, I've got one for you. It's called Exodus 90. <laughs> find some brothers and do it. We have it here to help you. Yeah, amen. I, I love that. It's a beautiful articulation that, you know, we're not trying to become rigid and hard on ourselves or beat ourselves up for our failures. We're trying to admit that, like, I tend towards extremes. Either I tend towards a perfectionist that I have to do this all on my own, or I tend to this extreme of saying I can't do anything on my own. I'm a complete failure. I judge myself. I hate myself or whatever, right? And, and the reality is, is God wants to give us the grace to meet us where we're at, as you say, to surrender our lives over to him. And that's what Exodus 90, but also taking on these disciplines of saying, I'm going to take seriously my growth in the life of faith by ordering my life to, to Christ. And that's the beauty of what you're trying to open men up to in, to in the church today is to give them an invitation to say, here's a way. You can find other ways, but here's one way that you can live this out more concretely. Amen. Well, thank you, Nathaniel, for joining us today and telling us a little bit about Exodus 90. It was uh, wonderful getting My a chance pleasure. to talk to you about that. If people want to know more about Exodus 90, where would they go? Exodus90.com is the place to be. Yeah, it's got great information on Couldn't there. Couldn't get more simple than that. That's Exodus90, <laughs> right? Not the written out, That's right. but 90.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was uh, great to have that conversation, a little, learn a little bit more about Exodus 90. Like I said, it's, uh, you've probably heard about it. It's been around for a few years now. Um, I haven't personally gone through it, but uh, Father Jason says he has. Um, and uh, like uh, Nathaniel said, he's been through five times and failed five times. So uh, it's definitely something worth giving a try uh, if you get the chance. So uh, up after the break, once again, my name is Nick Medelsky, and I am with Father Jason Kern here at St. James Coffee in wonderful Rochester, Minnesota. After the break, what does street evangelization look like? Well, here's a hint. It doesn't involve lecturing or Bible thumping. We'll discuss this next on Real Presence Live. Thanks for being with us today, everybody.